Welcome to Life After Blindness, a blog and podcast that is dedicated to the exploration of an enabled life of blindness. And now, here's your host, Tim Schwartz. Thank you, Alyssa, and thanks again to all of you for listening to the Life After Blindness podcast. Coming up on the show, I will be joined once again by Charles Heiser. Charles and I will be discussing many news items, including updates from IRA, NVDA, Microsoft, and even information about a library of smells in Poland. I will also be demonstrating a very popular game for iOS called Blind Drive. And later, I'll be speaking with Diego Royal from Strap Technologies, who will tell us about a product that he believes could replace the white cane. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please send your emails to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. So I hope that this says a lot less about me getting older and more about just dealing with the pandemic. But I'm here to tell you, if it wasn't for my weekly or daily pillbox reminder that I have, you know, those boxes where you have a different flap for every day of the week and you put all your medications in each one of the boxes. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, I don't know that I would remember what day it is. And even with that, I I, I don't always remember what day it is. Thankfully, my wife keeps better track of what day it is than I do because last week we got our follow-up COVID-19 vaccination shot. We were both sore for the first couple of days or so, but after that, I felt much better. Unfortunately, my wife did have some other reactions to it, but now we're doing really well and fully vaccinated, so that is definitely good news. Something else kind of cool that's been going on the last couple of weeks, although not nearly as vital and as important as getting my vaccination shot, is my participation on the new social media app, Clubhouse. Now, some of you have heard me talk about Clubhouse here and there. Clubhouse, basically, for anyone who doesn't know, is a new social media app that right now is still technically in a beta development process, only available on iPhone, and you only can get in with an invitation. Now, that said, it doesn't seem like invitations are all that really difficult to get. I have several of my own to uh, to put out there if I wanted to, and seems like people are coming in just by the dozens, hundreds, thousands possibly every single day. There are over 10 million, maybe even more than that, uh, participants in Clubhouse now. And supposedly within the next month or two, they'll be bringing it to Android, but still, again, all in a closed beta with invitations only. That said, they have been rolling out a lot of really great updates, and recently they made the app much, much more accessible with voiceover on the iPhone. So I'll be demonstrating that coming up later on in their beta process. So I want to see if they do anything more before I do a in-depth dive into the app and show you guys how it works. But uh, they did do a really good accessibility update, and they allowed us to make personal clubs. So clubs for Clubhouse are basically the same thing as a group in Facebook. And so I have created a Life After Blindness club. And so if you're a member of Clubhouse and you want to join the club or follow me, just go do a search for me, Tim Schwartz, or look for me at Tim Schwartz, or just do a search for Life After Blindness and you should find the club. You can follow it, become a member, and participate in special discussions and interactions and Q&As and all kinds of different things that we are doing out there on Clubhouse with the Life After Blindness Club. So come check that out. I'll really be excited to hear you guys talking out there because Clubhouse at its core is an audio only app, which is perfect for people that are blind or visually impaired. It's kind of 
difficult to describe what Clubhouse is, but think of any kind of team chat or team talk type server where many people can talk to each other live at the same time, kind of like an old uh, party line back in the day. But in this case with Clubhouse, there are many, many different rooms, they call them, that you can go in and out of and hear different people speaking. You can just stay in the audience if you'd like and not really participate as far as speaking goes. And you can jump between each room to find what you want to listen to and just sit back and enjoy or start a room yourself or like I've done, start a club so that you can bring a community of people together. So I'm really enjoying the clubhouse experience and I've met so many amazing people there, including the gentleman who will be joining me here in a bit to talk about the recent news. And yeah, so like I said, come find me there and we will have a chat. And speaking of other places that you can find me, recently on the podcast, I spoke to Robert Kingett. He told us of his efforts to help make the app and website for Patreon more accessible, not just for the creators who want to be on there, but people who want to follow those creators and be able to join up and donate money to them. So after talking to Robert, I have now created my own Patreon account. And so if you go to patreon.com slash labcast, that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash L-A-B-C-A-S-T, you can sign up to be a patron of the Life After Blindness podcast. Now, you can follow me there to get special chats and you know, community news and things like that. But if you actually sign up with one of the tiers there and donate per month, you get special benefits and perks for becoming a patron. The lowest level I've got there to offer is $2 a month. That will get you special access to polls and surveys and special community forums that I have available there on Patreon. In. Then you have a $5 level, a $10, and then $25, which I don't really expect everybody or anybody for that matter to uh, ever sign up at, but each tier will get you more and more benefits and perks. For example, some of the other tiers offer things like shoutouts on the podcast or website. Also, you can participate in monthly Q&As with myself and other people that appear on the Life After Blindness podcast and so much more. Longtime listeners of the show will know that I've never really wanted to advertise or do sponsorships or anything like that because I just wanted to put out a really good show that I'm passionate about that can help people. But the really nice thing about Patreon is that everyone who signs up to become a patron and donates something, I'm able to then give back to that person, whether it's giving them the ability to vote in the polls or special private community forums or Q and A's or provide extra bonus content or whatever it might be. I can actually give back to those people who are donating. And that just sounds so much better to me. So if you have the ability, if you have the means, please visit patreon.com slash labcast. I would really greatly appreciate it. All right, so I am so excited about this week's show. Like I said in the open, later on, I'll be demonstrating a game on the iPhone called Blind Drive, and later on, I'll be speaking with Diego Royal from Strap Technologies. But first, what do you say we find out what's going on in the news? Joining me today to discuss the recent news in the blind and visually impaired community is Charles Heiser. Now, people who have listened to my CSUN and AxCon conference coverage that I just recently did, you'll know Charles. Charles is a freelance editor as well as a student of accessibility. 
And so as a student of accessibility, I thought it was only fitting that he come on and talk with us about all the things going on here recently in the community. So Charles, welcome back to Life After Blindness. Hello, Tim, and hello, everybody. I think it's also worth mentioning that Charles is a 2021 Holman Prize candidate. And later on in the news here, before we let Charles go, we'll play for you his entry. And uh, I think people will be pretty interested in this. So uh, that's definitely something to look forward to. But first, Charles, let's get into the recent news. So Charles, for people who heard our conference coverage last week, they know that we did mention there was maybe one or two, maybe releases of actual products during the conferences. There wasn't really a lot of information at the time. We do have a little bit more information, however. And the first thing I wanted to talk with you about, because I know you are somebody who actually uses Braille, unlike myself, and that's a whole other conversation, um, but uh, this might be of interest to you. Hims has released a new Braille Sense, the Braille Sense 6, that is 32 cells and based off Android 10. What more do we know about this? Yeah, so... Like Tim said, this is a, a new release, um, but it has a lot of similarities with the Polaris in so much that the plan for getting a Braille Sense 6 is actually synonymous with an upgrade plan that uh, HIMSS is offering for anybody who recently purchased a Polaris. If you recently purchased a Polaris, you will get a free upgrade to a Braille Sense 6. They will take the cells, the Braille cells of your Polaris, stick them on a Braille Sense 6 and ship that to you. And uh, that's really cool. So let's get into the nitty gritty of the actual Braille Sense 6. So you're looking at a note taker that has six gigs of RAM. It has eight cores. So it is, it is noticeably faster than... Um, some of the other note takers we may be familiar with. Um, it has 128 gigs of internal storage and it is running Android 10. So those are some of the, uh, the tech specs of, of this. Him says that they will be releasing it uh, later this summer. They're floating a possible June or July release date uh, from what I have seen. Um, and more information is still uh, upcoming as to when that will officially be released. But I do know that it will be selling at a price point of just under 5800 As more information comes out about the Braille Sense 6, we'll, we'll talk about it more as uh, information comes in. Next up, Charles, I want to talk to you about the company Ira. Now, for anybody who may not be aware, Ira is a company that you can connect to via your smartphone with an app that will get you to a trained live agent. So somebody that actually had to go through six months of training to do the job they do, they get paid fairly well, and they have many tools at their disposal to talk with you using your camera on your smartphone to help see what is around you in, in your, you know, in your vicinity. So if you need something read to you, whether that's mail or a can of something or a box or need help putting something together and you're looking at the instructions and need some help, um, you don't know anything about that, do you, Charles? Um, you know, uh, what are you trying to say? Hold on I, a minute. I'm, I'm just saying uh -huh. that they're a great uh, use case or... Uh -huh. Save I, yourself, Tim. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, 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 yes. So th there, it's just a good use case for for many situations. But, <laughs> but no. So, so that's basically what what they do. 
for those people that aren't familiar. And you can actually use Ira in many different scenarios for free. So they do have paid plans. They do have some free minutes that you can get, but they do have many, many tiers of paid plans. But say if you go to an AT&T store, I believe Target is now also on the list of places that you can use it for free. Many, many airports, even some restaurants around the country, you can use Ira for free to help you get information. One of the things they've done as far as restaurants go is partnered recently with Starbucks. What do we know about that, Charles? Yeah, so Ira, in partnership with Starbucks, has launched a service now where you can have a half hour of free Ira time uh, to help you with tasks around Starbucks. That may be uh, reading the menu, that may be finding a place to sit, that may be uh, anything in Starbucks pertaining to Starbucks. And what's interesting about this is everybody gets a free five-minute call per day. And now you also get a half hour of time at Starbucks. You also get free time at stores, other restaurants, airports, universities, just like Tim was saying. So the more we see Ira grow and expand, the more we see these access offers, as Ira calls them, expanding and growing as well. Ira has done something else, which I think is really cool. I love it when Ira does things like this. They've done similar things in the past. And so they've recently made another announcement when it comes to getting the COVID vaccine. Tell us about that, Charles. Yeah. So similarly to the uh, Starbucks 30 minutes, you can also get 30 minutes of Ira usage for anything pertaining to getting a COVID vaccine, whether that's registration, whether that's making sure you're in the right spot. Uh, and Ira even jokes that they'll help you take your after COVID vaccine sh uh, selfie. Uh, so that is something else to help everybody get a COVID vaccine, not just those who feel more comfortable getting or navigating the uh, vaccine sites, but now Ira will enable more people to get out and get vaccinated. I am super excited for that. I actually just registered for a vaccine today. I am looking forward oh, to this. Yeah, I think this is a fantastic offering from Ira. I did actually get my first shot about a week or two ago. My wife and I were able to get registered and get appointments. And I go for my second shot here in the next week. And if for some reason I didn't have my wife with me who is sighted and I needed some sort of assistance, having Ira offer me that 30 minutes, th that would just have been very, very helpful. Now, that being said, the people at the location we went to seemed like they would have been very accommodating for me if I needed them to be. But if something had occurred that I needed some sort of outside assistance, this help from Ira would have been very appreciated. Well, and I'll tell you what, as somebody who frequently calls Ira with some... Uh, well, we'll say some interesting projects. I, uh, I've been recently using them to help me put together furniture, for example, and that's always fun, regardless of if you have help or not. Um, their agents are really, really good about describing what's around you and describing what you're doing or what you should be doing. So I would, I would absolutely use Ira while I'm out and about if I needed to confirm something. And you get a half hour. I mean, you can accomplish a lot in a half hour with a specially trained agent. And Ira has been described as OnStar for the blind. And it is a really apt description. They are trained to do what they do, and they are trained to do it really well. So yes, the Starbucks and the COVID vaccine offers are both amazing, amazing pieces of news. 
Now, Charles, switching gears quite a bit here, this next story, when I first read it, I, I kind of did a double take with my ears, if that's possible, because I know things like this have been attempted before. There are websites that try to do this. There are things, of course, like graphic audio that offer kind of a, a, a dramatized version of this. But this, this one kind of sparked my interest because a professor at WSU, Wichita State University, is working on an app that would be accessible for the blind and visually impaired to offer comic books. This is really, really cool to me. I'm a nerd. I make no bones about it. I would love accessible comic books so much. But there is a little bit of a downside here. I went to the website just a couple hours before we recorded this. There are a handful of webcomic pages up that you can expand on the website. All of them say their description is coming soon. And this story was released about a month ago. So maybe things are happening. If they eventually get this project to where they develop an app that can not only describe to you, but read to you what is going on in each panel of a comic book, that would just be fantastic. Next up, Charles, there has been an update to NVDA, which is a very popular screen reader for Windows. Now, some of these things may not sound groundbreaking or, or huge. However, if you're somebody who uses Braille or from, from what I read in the release notes, if you use a lot of Microsoft apps, it also could be pretty big for you. So what have they done in this most recent update? So yes, NVDA 2020.4 has been released. It comes with a whole bunch of stuff on the uh, technical side behind the scenes, but some of the bigger front end changes that you can try out for yourself immediately. My, my favorite one is that NVDA plus F7, the command to pull up elements list, will now work regardless of what browse mode you're in. So you no longer have to toggle between different browse modes with NVDA plus space. You can now pull up the elements list with NVDA plus F7 on whatever web page you're on, and it will just work, which is very, very nice. They've also done a whole bunch of updates to symbol pronunciation rules. Um, they have updated and fixed some software behind uh, mail and Outlook and team support, which is good to hear. Um, and they've also made some tweaks behind the scenes to how NVDA works with Google Docs, which personally I am also very, very excited about because I've been getting more into Google Docs recently. Yeah. So like I said, some very specific updates, but if you are a Braille user or you use any of those particular apps, these are probably going to be some welcome updates. There are more things that they've, they've tweaked and fixed and updated, but boy, it Many gets really more. technical and dry and we're not going to go there. So we'll, we'll keep it at this for now, but, uh, but I think it is good just to let people know that if you are a person who uses NVDA, definitely look for that update. If any of these things matter to you, this next story, Charles is an announcement from Microsoft about their upcoming ability summit. Now this is going to be held on Wednesday, May 5th and Thursday, May 6th. It'll take place online live from 9 AM to 12:30 PM. That's Pacific time. So keep that in mind. This is going to be interesting because Microsoft has done a lot of things like this before. They, they've had their Ability Summit and other webinars and things. And this is a great opportunity for them to talk about all things accessible when it comes to what they do for people with disabilities, isn't it, Charles? 
Yeah. So I want to take a second to read the first sentence of uh, how Microsoft describes the Ability Summit, because I think it does a really good job of summarizing just what this event is. So, quote, the Microsoft Ability Summit is a two-day free digital event experience that brings together people with disabilities, allies, and accessibility professionals to imagine, build, include, and empower the future of disability inclusion and accessibility. I mean, whoever wrote that really earned their paycheck that day because that really just says it all, doesn't it? It really does. Microsoft, as far as I have been able to find, has not released any names as far as who is speaking. But from what it says on the Ability Summit website, the keynotes will be given by Microsoft executives and prominent members of the disability community. So I'm kind of excited to see who they're going to pick. I assume they already have somebody in mind, um, but we'll see. Um, they're talking about panels. They're talking about demoing the latest accessibility features, not just in Microsoft Office, where it's kind of expected, but also in Xbox and gaming, which has had a huge push from the disabled gaming community to really shape up the last few years. And I don't know how many people have been following that, but it has been really, really, really cool. Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, yes. And all sessions will be recorded and viewable later. So not only is it free, but it will be free and on your schedule. One more important point about the Ability Summit, registration is open. You can create an account right now. Yeah, this is absolutely fantastic. I'm really looking forward to Microsoft's Ability Summit, and I will be listening most likely live while it happens. But as you said, if I miss it, I can catch it later. But uh, yeah, this is going to be great. I, I'm very interested to see who they determine to be a prominent person within the community. That, that'll that be interesting to see who that person or persons ends up being. But uh, yeah, just put a pin in this one for now. After the event occurs, I will be talking about it here on another episode of Life After Blindness. So stay tuned for that. Wrapping up the news this week, Charles, is a story that when I first read the headline, is it possible to do a double take with your ears? Um, because that's what I did. Cause I had to listen to it again and then tentatively read the article talking about it because I wasn't quite sure what I felt about this and I still don't know. I, I, so anyway, so I'll, I'll quit bearing it and just, just tell you it's been announced that at a museum and training facility for uh, people that are blind or visually impaired in Poland in Owiska, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly because I had somebody from Poland not correct me when I said it. So I, I hope that that is correct. Uh, in Poland, it's going to be a library of smells. They will have a sensory garden as well as many other interesting things for people that are blind or visually impaired to come and experience. Um, Charles, I sent you this article. You, you have read it, I presume. And um, so talk to us about it. A library of smells to me is an interesting concept. A double take with your ears is a, is a good uh, a good way of describing that. But yeah, this is a thing that um, people have been building um, or maybe has been built. Um, the article says will be built, but I have heard rumors that it already is built. So this article mentions the smell of uh, railway engine grease Perfumes associated with Moscow, flowers from the field, dried fish, spices, and 
elephant dung. So this is the thing. You can go and see at an educational center for blind children. Uh, it also mentions their orientation park and their full sensory garden, which the article is a little unclear. I'm not sure if the garden and the library are two separate things. I would imagine they are, but I don't know. Maybe you'll have to go and see for yourself. So yeah, this is a thing that has come to our attention. And that's that's all I have to say about it for now. I, I am withholding judgment. <laughs> I, I am interested to get more. I don't know why, but I am interested to get more information about this. Uh, I will be reaching out to this uh, library and this uh, center uh, over there in Poland and seeing if I can get somebody to, to, to tell me more. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's an interesting concept. I'm, I'm not mad at it. You know, it, it's, no, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's an interesting concept, especially having children come in or people that just, maybe they're not able to know what those things would smell like. So, so I get it. It's kind of like having things that are tactile and, you know, models or, or different things you can feel so that you can understand what something quote unquote looks like by using your hands to, to feel it. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of, of possible ideas to have something like this. I just, I mean, do I need to smell the elephant dung? I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, but, but all in all, I think it's very interesting. I'm really interested to know what my listeners feel about this uh, and any other story that we've covered today in the news. So send your emails to Tim at lifeafterblindness.com or uh, hit me up on social media at Labcast on Twitter or Facebook and let me know what you think. Well, Charles, that's everything we've got for the news today, but I did mention at the top when I introduced you that this year you are a Holman Prize candidate, and I wanted to give you a chance before I let you go to talk about that, and, and after you give maybe a little bit of a introduction to it, I'm going to play the audio from the video that you submitted for the Holman Prize. So tell me a little bit about what we're going to hear in your submission video. I would love to. So for those who may not know, the Holman Prize is an award given by Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco. They award up to $25,000 to three winners. It was started in 2017. They did not let the pandemic hold them back. So 2020 Holman Prize went forward and there were three winners picked from that. And likewise, 2021 is going forward. Applications just closed and I managed to get my video in. So my pitch for the 2021 Holman Prize is an idea for a company to address digital accessibility at the cultural level. A lot of people are advocating for digital accessibility because it's the legal thing to do or because it's not as hard as people think to code or because it helps products become more robust and earn more revenue after they've been developed. I want to focus more on why is digital accessibility important in the first place? Who does it affect and why does it affect them? What kind of barriers to entry are there on the internet and why is it important for digital accessibility coders to address those barriers? Who are they gatekeeping unintentionally in most cases? And what types of talents are out there completely undiscovered simply because people are using assistive technology and there are barriers when it comes to using assistive technology, not just online, but in general. So that is the idea that I 
frantically managed to put into a 90 second video. Um, it is, it took a lot of takes, it took a lot of rewriting, but I finally came up with something that I think really advocates for this in a nutshell. So I hope you like what you hear. Hi, my name's Charles, and thank you for taking the time to watch this video. I'm a white male with shoulder-length brown hair in his late 20s. I'm currently wearing a black long-sleeve shirt. I've got a braille display in my lap, and behind me is a desk and a chair, and at the other end of the room, a door. I've been blind all my life, and I've lived my life fairly normally. I've traveled around the U.S., I've taught myself a lot of my independent living skills, you know, just living. But one of the things I've noticed is I've run into a lot of barriers to access, not just physically, but digitally as well. And this is where I want the Holman prize money to go. I want to found a company called Bitbrick to build digital accessibility awareness, one piece of information at a time. I'd like to do that by raising awareness of what digital accessibility actually means, not just from a business perspective of increased profits, diverse customer base, blah, 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 but more from a cultural perspective. What does it mean when somebody using assistive tech runs into a barrier? What are people missing out on? What do disabled and blind people specifically have to offer? This is why I think Bitbrick is important, and this is why I think the message of digital accessibility and inclusivity is important. So please, if you like this idea, like this video and share it. And I'd like to take a moment to wish everybody good luck. So follow that link and give the video a like. It will really, really help me get a little bit closer to making it into the semifinals and showing the panelists that my idea is worth considering. So I would really appreciate that. After you and Rose were on last week to talk with me about the conferences with CSUN and AxCon, I went out and found your video, of course, for the Holman Prize. And I just, I, I couldn't agree more, you know, just a, approaching this from a cultural aspect and really just broadening how we look at accessibility and your, your pitch for the Holman Prize just really hit home for me. So yeah, I strongly encourage everybody to follow the link that will be included in the show notes, of course, and like the video, share the video. If you know anybody that is interested in this and is passionate about it as much as Charles is, share the video with them, ask them to like it as well, and hopefully Charles can then move on to the semifinals and be well on his way to winning the Holman Prize. Well, Charles, I want to thank you so much again for coming on Life After Blindness and helping me with the news this week. It's been fantastic having you now two weeks in a row talking about conferences and all this news that's been going on lately in our community. So thank you so much once again for coming on and helping out. If people want to get more information about what you do or follow you on social media, how can they do that, Charles? So you can follow me on Twitter at T-R-I-S-T-A-R-1693. That's TriStar1693. You can also find me on Clubhouse using the same name. And uh, obviously my YouTube channel, which only has the Holman Prize video on it, is also available. Maybe there will be more things on there coming soon. I have not decided yet, but keep an eye on that space. You might see some. Well, I hope that everybody does go out there and follow you, Charles, and keep tabs on how you're doing in the Holman Prize. So good luck with that. And again, thank you so much for coming on Life After Blindness. Thank you. I'm always happy to be here.
Next up, I would like to demonstrate a relatively new audio game for you. This game is available on PC, Mac, as well as iOS. The iOS version is what I'll be demonstrating for you today, and the name of the game is called Blind Drive. The game costs $3.99 in the Apple App Store and is suggested highly for adult or mature audiences. There is a lot of cussing, and the whole premise of the game itself is quite mature. They consider it to be dark comedy. So you will hear as I play the beginning of the game that you get a phone call from a very mysterious and anonymous caller who is making sure that you as a test subject is handcuffed to the inside of your car, which you are, and are blindfolded, which again you are, and you are about to be sent by remote into oncoming traffic. And uh, yes, Things kind of go wild from there. So let's go ahead and launch Blind Drive. Blind Drive. Landscape. Blind Drive. Direct touch area. When you launch the game, it does go into direct touch mode. So if you don't have it on already, you will want to use your rotor to turn on direct touch. Main menu. Continue game. Double tap to select. Now, since I have played games already, I have the option to continue a game. However, I do want to swipe to the right because I am now in landscape mode. So swipe to the right. Start new game. Double tap to select. And we'll go ahead and double tap. Choose difficulty, normal, balance gameplay. Button. So there double is, tap to select. So there is easy, normal, and hard. So for purposes of this demonstration, let's go to easy. So swipe once to the left. Easy, focus on story. Button. Double tap to select. How to play. Press and hold the left or right side of the screen to avoid cars. Double tap top left to pause and check status. Double tap top right to skip a cutscene you've already heard. Double tap to begin. So fairly straightforward. When you hear a vehicle coming at you from the left, put your finger on the right side of the screen and hold to make the car veer to the right. If you hear a car coming at you on your right side, put your finger on the opposite. So the left side, put your finger and hold it down to veer the car to the left. So, pretty simple. <laughs> so you think. So let's double tap and begin the game. Uh, finally. Uh, where's the answer button? Donnie here. I mean, test subject number. Uh, what was it again? Are you in the starting position? What? Uh, yeah, just off uh, Highway 46. Blindfold. Uh, yeah. Hey, that said nothing about a blindfold. Good. And the the cuffs. Uh, hey, I'm not into that shit, man. <laughs> yeah. the off? What? No, no, no. Fine. Whatever. Whatever. I'm cool, man. I'm cool. Good. Hey, your experiment's half an hour, yeah? Because I've got a date later, you know? Can't be late. You know what I mean? <laughs> Shut up. Start driving. <laughs> what do you mean, start driving? <laughs> Hey, what the hell? Hey, wait! Hey! Hey! F the brakes don't work! The car is remote controlled. Except the wheel. That's on you. This thing's going against traffic, man! Relax. Now, pay attention. Do you have ears? What? Do you have ears? Yes. So, use them. Listen for approaching cars. Hear which side they're coming from, and hold to the opposite side. Opposite? Well, how will I know? Shh. 
Swerve to the right. Going on the right. Well done. This is f***ed up, man. Now, You'll notice I leaped out the, two the words. I can't see the line! Exactly. This one's hard. I've basically just found... <laughs> it didn't work that time. Did you say you have ears? I tried to hey, swipe back and forth. This is like uh, not at all what I had works. in mind, you know. Now, now, that But what? The cat? Well, wait! I know that's what I say. Oh shit! <laughs> Me too. Go to the left. Go to the left again. I think I double tapped instead of. I don't know what I did. It was endearing. You heard that double beep that tells you how many lives you have left, I think. Yep, I have one life left. Here to the right. Here to the left. Eventually, the other drivers start yelling at you, which is hilarious. Uh, him again. Hey! Looking good. You know, I am getting the hang of this. Told you you could do it. <laughs> I'm a pro, man. I do these experiments all the time. You've got talent. Sure does run in the family. <laughs> family? I'm not really sure what you mean by that, man, oh, but. Quick! Hold to the left! 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 Oh, good one! Was, uh, was that a bicycle? Did you hear how rude they were? They've got no manners. Manners? Think they own the road. Granola heads. Uh, well, actually, cycling is healthy and good for the environment, Shut man. Up. It's... You're gonna show He's right. who owns the road. Who owns the. Road? You get an extra life for each. Okay. So yeah, right. Once you to run down. Hang up. Cyclists. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. I can't control the f***ing car. Sorry! Extra life! <laughs> so nerve-wracking. Oh! I didn't hit that one. <laughs> that one felt nice, actually. A lot of concentration hey, involved this here. This is some f up sh you know that? Don't you scrub. 
There's no way to talk to Grandma. Grandma? Yes, you called. I called? Not canceling on me again. Now you done it. What? No, I mean... Jesus, Grandma, did you forget your teeth again? <laughs> yes, yes. Don't be mad. I'll put them on when I get home. Try to remember for once, will you? <laughs> What's the matter, Bubele? You sound all worked up. No, I'm fine. I'm just working a gig. A gig? Science Liar. research. An experiment. <laughs> I told you to stop doing those fakakta experiments. Get a proper job. They pay well, okay? I need the money. Well, don't be late, Donnie. I made you the filter fish, and Phil Wilkins hasn't had his fur brushed in ages. Wilkins is fine. He only likes it when you. Uh oh. Hello. What happened to Grandma? Sweet little Grandma on her way home. Well, you dialed her. What a good grandson. Dinner with Grandma every Tuesday. Oh. Hey, how do you even? Hey, that's not cool, man. Listening in on private conversations? Oh, you sound upset. Are you upset, Donnie? Uh, yeah, man. Cut out the creepy shit, okay? Well, it's no fun if you're upset. Let's turn on the radio. Something to cheer you up. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! What's that? I can't hear you. <laughs> now, obviously, this part is meant but to make it more man. difficult. Stuff to avoid cars, but hear them over the radio. Oh, didn't swerve in time. Oi. Swerve in time for that one either. Babies who listen to Mozart are not to be trusted. Level progress 45%. Points 29. New high score. This drive 8.9 kilometers. New best drive. Total completed 8.9 kilometers. Double tap to retry or swipe for more options. All right, so that is Blind Drive. As you heard, I'm only 45% through the first level with that run, and there is much, much more to play. Email me, Tim, at lifeafterblindness.com and let me know how you're getting along with Blind Drive. Hopefully you've attained a much higher level than I did and are doing better with the game than me. But uh, what I have played of it thus far has been a lot of fun. As I said, definitely not for small children, but is definitely a fun new addition to the audio game genre. I'm very happy to be joined by Diego Royal, who is from Strap Technologies, who is here today to talk with us about the future of navigating possibly without a white cane. Diego, thank you so much for joining me on Life After Blindness. Tim, a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Tell me, Diego, what is Strap? Uh, pleasure, uh, Tim. A strap is a wearable device. Uh, you put uh, like a chest harness, so it's it's warped your chest, and you can detect any kind of obstacle. We have an array of specific sensors inside who are able to detect things in the head area, in the chest area, even in the lower area, including bumps, holes, and stairs. And we notify the user by, by a haptic feedback embedded on the wearable. Depending where is the vibration located, how the strength of it, 
uh, and the pattern you, you, you feel, it means where is the obstacle, how far is it, and how to avoid it. So this way we are making able uh, visually impaired people to navigate in a more autonomous and independent way because we are, we are doing all what the, king, the, what the quad king does and we are adding uh, features that the quad king cannot do but, but uh, features that we think and we consider are great and super important for visually impaired people in their daily life. So you say that this is something that's worn around the chest. So the, the strap actually goes up and around the shoulders and around the chest. And this is worn in basically about the mid, mid chest area, correct? Correct. It's super small. Uh, you have these straps, like just to, to be able to, to set, it, uh, set it, it up on the chest. But it's super small and super lightweight, all, uh, almost seamless for the, for the other persons. And what sort of things is strap able to detect? Uh, mostly any kind of obstacle, our, our unique sensor uh, array, uh, we use different kind of technologies just like ultrasonic and radar sensors. So this way we have sensors putting up to the head, to the, to the floor, to the, to the chest and, and everywhere, everywhere. So we're able to take persons, walls, uh, chairs, tables, and mainly any kind of obstacle a visual impaired person can be going through their daily life, uh, uh, small cables, uh, obstacles to the floor, just like a, a bag that someone left on the floor, or some steps or some stairs, or even though uh, some holes or bumps on the floor, we're able to detect that. I saw on the website that it, it talks about even being able to detect not only maybe a hole or a pothole, but, but standing water and things like that. Is that right? It, that, it's, it, that, that is right, Tim, because we need to make sure we're giving a complete security to the user. So we cannot afford to not detect something. That's why our technology is so robust. And we have been four years in R&D trying to develop this technology. And some months before we actually, for the first time, we, we finished the R&D process and we have the technology ready. And right now we're preparing for mass production. So uh, we use a, a sensor called radar sensor, which is uh, some sensors that airplanes use and autonomous cars use. And thanks to the evolution and innovation regarding on, uh, autonomous vehicles, uh, we have seen some really big innovation on this sensor. So are cheaper, are smaller, and are better. We have a resolution of one millimeter. So what our engineers did was to have a, a, a kind of a learning algorithm for the unit. So we, we do a lot of tests so the unit can learn. And this way we can detect what do you have on the, on the floor, for example. And after that, we have another algorithm who decides if it's, if it's pertinent or relevant to, to notify the user about that or not. As you mentioned, Tim, the a can on the floor, for example, the device will, will, will see the can and will decide if notify you or not. And, and how, how, how the device decide? Uh, it decides because how, if you're going to step on that or no, if you're going to collide on that or no, if, if, if when you reach the point, if it's a moving obstacle, like a person or a vehicle, if when you reach the, that position, you will collide with the obstacle or not, we're always measuring your speed, your acceleration, and we're always monitoring uh, the velocity and movement uh, of other, other obstacles uh, around that, that person. And so I know that the tutorial and setup is audio-based, so you do get spoken uh, instruction on how to use the device, 
But when it comes to actually moving about, you mentioned that it is all haptic feedback. Can you describe a little bit more about how that works and how you ascertain what, is, what types of obstacles are in front of you that Strap is detecting? Uh, yes, that's a good question. So we have something called a learning mode where you, you plug your headphones on the, on the device and you press a button we have on the, on the device and it will start to give you oral, oral instructions on how to use the device. It's one of our user manuals. So whether you can navigate in, in, into sections inside the, the instruction manual or, and it's interactive. What interactive means? We, uh, so the, the process of learning how to use the units, it can be as faster or as so slower as the user wants. So we always make sure that you did understood the, how that specific part work to be able to move to the next thing. Because we ask you to, to make some trials and to make some scenarios on your house with your, with your body and with the world around you to make sure you, you understood exactly about that. But we, and that's for the learning. The, once you learn it, you take about 10 to 20 minutes to learn how to use the device. After that, you're going to be living your daily life, your daily basis, doing all the things you do uh, normally in your, in your life. So at that moment, uh, we realize that visually impaired people do not want to take away their hearing from the outer world to use it for strap. They don't want to do that. They want to still be able to hear whatever is in the surroundings. So we needed to find another way to input uh, all this all this information. We need to communicate. We need to communicate to the user, and we found the haptic to be an incredible way because, firstly, after the smell, it's one of the fastest way to reach the body. And and uh, we have tried our device with a little bit more of 250 uh, visually impaired people uh, from trial from 24 hours all the way to 15 days. In cumulative, we have around 17,000 hours of testing our device with, with actually uh, blind people. So uh, we, we have been working on the UX experience a lot, a super, super, uh, with so much detail on that. Because it's super important, we need to we need to provide as much information we can to the user in the most simple and intuitive way. So we have found out with our beta testers that after a week or so of using our device, uh, they they don't need to think how to use it. It becomes like a sixth sense because because of the haptic and it's because of the so fast the body react to the haptic, they just really react. They don't need to think about the obstacles. It, it, it becomes like driving. After you learn how to drive, you don't think about driving. You just drive, you know? So it becomes like the, the same for our device after a week or so of using it. Now, one of the concerns from social media was not feeling the the tactile feeling that the cane would give a person so as they're moving their cane along or you know they're rolling the ball or tapping the ground they're they're so used to that tactile feedback that they get from the ground and i know that that you are confident enough in strap to say that you may not even use your cane anymore what do you say to people who who don't get that sensory tactile feedback from the tip of a cane what would you say to that concern that's a great question tim um so we do give you that kind of, of feedback that the cane does regarding on surface and plants and all, all, all the things you mentioned, the tapping and you can like detect things. So our haptic communicates all this as well. Our haptic ways way beyond, goes way beyond our just notifying you where is the obstacle. Uh, our engineers made an, a haptic array on the, on the back plate of our, our device. 
So in your chest, you have an array of, of, of haptic, haptic modules. And we actually, it's one of our, uh, it's one of our core patents. Our, this patent is called uh, haptic language feedback. So we try to do to do to like imitate with patterns all the the feeling you feel with a cane. For example, what we did was record, for example, some plants movement on how the cane goes through the plants and how you feel it and how it, it's heard. And then we we translate uh, to say to, to state it some way. We translated that audio we got and all the waves to a, a pulse width modulation, a longitudinal, longitudinal vibrations, and a frequency, a frequency sequence. So these ways we were able to, to make the person to substitute that feeling on the cane with a feeling on the array of haptic. It's a little bit difficult to explain it orally. You really need to feel it, how we communicate sounds and feelings, uh, sure. because it's super difficult to, to explain orally. But what we do, and actually right now there's a bunch of different products on the market that have been um, accomplished to do this. For example, the Nintendo, the, Nintendo, the, the last Nintendo, the Nintendo U, I think, uh, has on their on their on their on their controls some some really good haptics, so you can have a great feeling of that. The PlayStation Five that is just released uh, have a great haptic, so they claim that you can even feel when you are on the grass and when you are on the dirt and when you are on the floor and on the street. So it's the same technology. Uh, just as, as, as Sony with the PlayStation did that with this in, uh, immersive experience, we did the same with our device with this uh, with this array of haptic. So right now the technology is ready for the first time to be able to first sense the environment in a great and accurate way, and second we have the technology on, regarding on haptics to be able to notify the user all this really detailed information. So I know you mentioned before, Diego, that the strap device can help you with, you know, distance to an object. You talked about the difference between, you know, large objects or even something as small as a can on the ground. When a person is wearing the strap device, are they able to ascertain distance, perhaps size of object, perhaps position of object? It's, it sounds from what you're saying that, that that's the case. And I just want to clarify, with the haptic feedback, are, are you able to ascertain those kinds of things? Yes. Um, yeah, the haptic feedback, like, you don't, when you feel a vibration, it doesn't mean you need to avoid it. You could use a vibration to leverage on them, on the vibration to be able to look for things. For example, if you want to look to your chair to be able to go and sit down, you can uh, pan with your body all the room around and feel the vibrations and how the vibrations change in intensity. So that way you can have a, a notion of, of how far everything is on the, on the, on the room. It's like kind of, of mapping, you know, uh, almost like an echolocation. So, so this way you can go and say, hey, here is my chair. So you, you go and follow the vibration to reach, to reach your chair or your workstation or the door or the exit looking for no vibrations. So yes, the answer is yes. With this device, you can be able to detect all, all of this and not just avoid obstacles, but find obstacles or find things you need to, to go with. What if any other features are available on Strap? Yes, uh, for example, starting with the straight line navigation, uh, we realize uh, that sometimes uh, blind people have a little bit of trouble walking, walking in a straight line. And when you're walking on long distances, uh, like going a little bit uh, like 25 degrees off your, your goal 
when you are working long distances, that could mean a lot of, of difference between the point you wanted to reach and the point you really reached. And this is this alone, of, of course. So what we did is when you press a button on the, on the device, we trace an imaginary line on the floor and we notify the user whenever uh, he or she goes away of the line. So right now that we have a reference point on the floor, a fixed reference point of floor, this not just work for straight line navigation, but for complex navigation. For example, if you want to go to your house and you're in downtown and it's a 15 minute walk, but a lot of turns. So right now that we have the, the straight line navigation, we can say to the user, okay, so right now, right now, turn 90 degrees to your right. And we will notify you exactly when the 90 degrees went, then automatically we reset the line and then you have a new straight line so you can always make sure you are, you are on the path and on the lane you need to go so you don't step on the street, so you don't step on places you don't want to go or, or step in. We also have, uh, for example, a smart enough, uh, which is a simple feature, but I, I like it a lot because it, for first, it, it saves a lot of battery, and second, you don't need to take care about turning on or off during it. If you sit down, the device will know just hit it down and will turn off automatically. And when you stand up, we'll notice you stand it up and you need the device to be able to walk. And it will turn out automatically and start to give you all the haptic feedback and to map all the environment. So we have more than distance sensors. We have uh, accelerometers, gyroscopes, magnetometers. We have LIDAR, ultrasonic, radar, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and a lot of different sensors embedded. So we can have a, a, a huge, uh, robust hardware to be able to scale the technology in the future and to solve as much as the problems we can for the daily life of each other people. So you mentioned earlier, Diego, then that this is currently in pre-production. I see on your website that the expectation for launch of this is perhaps fall of 2021. So what can you tell people about the rollout and if there's any kind of pre-order or you know, how they can get more information and access uh, more about Strap? So in the webpage strap.tech, uh, you can look at it and, and have more information regarding on the device. On the same webpage, strap.tech slash pre-order, you can go and pre-order the device. Right now, the pricing is the pricing of the device is of seven fifty dollars. But right now, for pre-orders, we're having a discount. Uh, uh, so that the, the cost of the device right now is of five hundred dollars, and you can pre-order with just an upfront fee of fifty dollars. So with fifty dollars, you are pre-buying your units, and when we are ready to ship, we're going to ask you for the rest of the money, so you can have the device on, on the on the door of your home. So on that note then, Diego, if people want to get more information about Strap and Strap Technologies and they want to look at uh, you know, your website or pre-ordering and, and any other information that they can get, how can they go about doing that? Yes, yeah, so uh, all the information is in our website, uh, strap.tech. You can pre-order on, on the website as well, uh, strap.tech uh, slash pre-order. And you can contact us any time on our email, which is hello at strap.tech. So that's our, our, the ways you can, you can find us. We also have social media. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Medium. You can find us as well as at Strap Technologies. Uh, so that's all our social media and you can, we are, we are going to be happy to, to reach everyone and meet everyone. <laughs>
Diego Royal, I just want to thank you so much for coming to Life After Blindness and talking with me about Strap and what you guys are doing there at Strap Technologies. This is really, really interesting. And again, I'm looking forward to seeing how this will help impact our lives. So uh, again, Diego, thank you so much for coming on Life After Blindness. Thank you so much, Tim, for your time and opportunity. That will conclude another episode of the Life After Blindness podcast. As always, you can find the show notes with links and more information to everything you heard in the episode by visiting lifeafterblindness.com slash 43. That's lifeafterblindness.com slash 43. You can follow me on social media by going to Twitter or Facebook and following at Labcast. And you can send your emails to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. Thanks again to Charles Heiser and Diego Royal for joining me on this week's episode. And thank you once again to all of you for listening to the show. Please join me again next time as we continue our journey together to find that there truly can be a life after blindness. Take care, everybody. Everybody.